We may all pass by a church on our way out shopping. We may see a steeple with a cross on top, or no crosses at all. We may see a giant cathedral or even a renovated grocery store. But have you ever stopped to consider just what kind of events took place for this building to get where it is now? Hi, I'm Peter, and this is The Curious Case of Christianity. No, I'm not talking about the construction job. I'm talking about the history, the nitty-gritty of it all. Some people think that, poof, the Christian community just came to be in a stuck sense, kind of like a big bang. Others don't really know. So today, let's dive in. The first organized church began in Roman Judea around the beginning of the first century AD during what we now know as Pentecost. When Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room as described in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this is the moment of the birth of the church. At this moment, Jesus equipped his disciples for the duty they were to perform, a long and strenuous task that would demand their lives, but in the end, would revolutionize the world. So okay, great. The apostles received the Holy Spirit and went to go make believers. Isn't that the entire story? Well, it isn't. The church we hear about through the Acts of the Apostles and the Pauline Letters is what theologians now know as the Undivided Church. Everyone was together, in a united front, with major Christian gathering places being in Rome, Alexandria, Antioch, and even Jerusalem. As Christianity grew and more and more people converted, the apostles realized they needed a contingency plan in order to keep the faith alive. They began appointing helpers and successors, whom we now know as bishops. In February 313, the Roman Emperor Constantine felt the turmoil of religious wars and legalized all religions within the Roman Empire under his famous Edict of Milan. Constantine believed that this edict would bring a temporary peace to an already dying and strife-ridden empire. However, religious wars soon ensued between the pagans and Christians who were the new predominant religious force. And in order to quell the issue, Constantine moved the new capital of the dubbed Holy Roman Empire to Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul, Turkey, and began outfitting it as a Christian holy land. He would later die as a baptized believer. Over the decades to come, the Christian religion would become more organized and more like an established religion. Churches were erected in honor of different holy sites and principalities in which bishops would oversee the faithful were established. Christianity had made Europe and Asia a bastion of spiritual revival, and all seemed well. Until... On July 16, 1054, Patriarch Michael Cyrilius was excommunicated from the church based in Rome. This was the formal split between East and West, and the first major split in Christendom as a whole. Reasons for the split was mainly on the issue of the authority of the Pope. Since the Pope claimed his position from the Apostle Peter, who was clearly stated to be the greater apostle, he felt it was his duty to lead the church. Many of the other bishops in the East refused to acknowledge the Pope as being superior. The believers in the West, who were adherents to the Rome, Roman jurisdiction, became known today as Roman Catholics, while those in the East became known as Eastern Orthodox. Not since the time of Paul had a hint of separation occurred, but now there was a fully-fledged split. Over time, the Roman Church and Eastern Church divided in their traditions and became merely aware of one another and disinterested in each other's situation. 
The next biggest and best splintering of Christianity came on October 31st, 1517, and was spearheaded by an Augustinian friar by the name of Martin Luther. Around this time, the Roman Catholic Church was undergoing some intense corruption. Pope Leo X had some lofty financial goals in mind, and in order to achieve them, he needed some quick money. This money was garnered through the selling of the infamous indulgences. Indulgences, if you're not familiar, are pieces of paper stating that the punishment for your sin or the sin of a relative in purgatory have been removed through the payment and through some obligational prayers after the purchase. With people buying these tickets in droves, Luther became very angry. Luther's 95 Theses were a threat to the Catholic Church, which was as much of a church as it was a political system at the time. Statements such as, Any truly repentant Christian has a right to the full remission of penalty and penalty of guilt, even without indulgence letters, or, The bishops and curates and theologians who permit such talk to be spread among the people will have to answer for this, were a sign of rebellion, which was unheard of and needed to be stopped. But the damage was already done, and with the power of the printing press, things were fast in motion. And before long, people were breaking away from the Catholic Church in droves and were now allying themselves with the new churches set up. We know these churches today as Protestant. The Lutheran Church being the most prominent, and among other churches, the most other prominent church would be the Anglican, or Church of England. Around Luther's time, King Henry VIII was trying ever so hard to get a divorce from his wife Catherine of Aragon, and in order to marry another, since he wanted a male heir to the throne, and he was only getting girls or nothing at all. His request for divorce fell on deaf ears in the Vatican, and with a swift action, King Henry declared himself the head of the Church of England and not the Pope. England would undergo some bloody history, but long story short, England became a Protestant nation for good, and with the help of theologians such as Luther and John Calvin, the Anglican Church grew. As the Anglican Church moved to Scotland, then came the rise of the Scottish Presbyterian Church. The Presbyterian Church grew out of the idea that the Church would be governed by the people and not bishops and archbishops, much like the Catholic and Anglican Church. Presbyterians stressed the authority of the Scriptures and faith in Christ. The other main offshoot of the Anglican Church would be the United Methodist Church, which was started by John and Charles Wesley in the mid-1800s. The Methodist Church still wanted to keep bishops and pastors, but wanted to remove itself from the more Catholic side of the Anglican Church. John and Charles Wesley would be famous for being the first missionaries to travel to North America and teach Native Americans. But though their mission work failed, they returned to England and Europe to establish their church and mission. Amidst the political chaos in England and Germany, other influential figure rose. His name, John Calvin. Whom I mentioned before, John Calvin was reforming areas in Geneva, Switzerland due to other disagreements with Catholicism. His disagreement was mainly on matters of the Eucharist or communion. Calvin rejected the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, which is the belief that the bread and wine become Christ's literal body and blood. Rather, Calvin stated that Christ's body and blood merely exist alongside the elements of bread and wine. But the whole process is too complex to explain, and communion is to be experienced, not thought about. Other theories that Calvin presented were predestination, in which God chooses who will be saved and who will not. Next, we have one of the more well-known churches, the Anabaptist Church. The Anabaptist Church began in a period known as the Radical Reformation, in which groups are radically disassociating themselves with with Catholicism in every way, and are in some respects considered an offshoot of Protestantism, while this is hotly debated. 
Anabaptist roughly means to be born again. Anna meaning again and Baptist to be born or baptized, which is where we get the theological idea of being born again in order to be a Christian. Today, the descendants of the Anabaptist movement are what we now know as Amish, Hutterites, and Mennonites. The Anabaptist movement stressed the importance of free will to choose whether to be baptized or not. Unlike many Protestant churches that still practiced infant baptism, the Anabaptist movement rejected infant baptism, claiming it was not as meaningful, and the followers began breaking away. The Anabaptist movement is also where we get the Baptist church. However, there are a few tiny differences in matter of worship and unification, but the Baptist church is also an offshoot of the Anabaptist church, but is one of the more well-known Christian churches in America. This is where we get our major Christian groups, and this is the history of the church from 1 AD to somewhere in the 1800s. We'll come back next time to look at other Christian groups, mainly the Reformed and Charismatic traditions. As for now, I am your humble host, Peter, and this has been The Curious Case of Christianity, and as always, have a great day.